Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. Happy Christmas Eve, everyone. Eric G with Around the House here. We have an excellent Christmas Eve special here where I went back and found some of my favorite episodes and segments here, stuff that maybe you missed, the stuff that I thought was excellent, fun, and innovative listening. Now, coming up in this hour, we have Unlimited Hydroplane Racing with Strong Racing. Talking about putting a hydroplane together. Emergency Preparedness. Ross Trithui from This Old House, and True Crime Meets Home Improvement with my friend, Tool Girls Garage, Sarah Listy. We have so much more coming up in this episode today that you don't want to miss. For more information about us, head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com or social media. And if you're listening on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Now let's get back to this very special episode. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, where we typically talk home improvement every single weekend. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Caroline, we're going to go a little off the reservation today, aren't we? We are, but it's good. We like to broaden our audience. You guys have got something new to learn about. I love it. Absolutely. So we're going to talk here a little bit of unlimited hydroplane racing because, you know, I grew up doing this and we've got a lot of different radio audiences out there that catch around the house that have this in their neighborhood. So we want to make sure and help those guys out as well. And if there's nothing about unlimited hydroplane racing, is it a bunch of people doing DIY when it comes down to it as a team? And so this is kind of the ultimate DIY project. I want to introduce Daryl Strong from Strong Racing and my favorite driver out there, Brent Hall. Welcome to Around the House, brothers. Thank you. Hello, guys. Thank you. Yep, exciting. And for the so audience, Brent, if you love NASCAR, this is way better. Like, this is the ultimate cream puff. So just tell our audience, Eric, a little bit about what this is, because not everybody knows. I'm from New York, so we don't have it here. At least that I'm aware of. So, We'll talk to these guys here about it, but I grew up in the Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Pasco, Richland, Washington, uh, where we have 610 KONA radio that uh, thanks guys for carrying the show. I grew up there living on the Columbia. My parents had a house up off Canal Drive and I would sit up there and I would hear these big Rolls Royce Allison engines as a kid waking me up when the first boat would hit the water and I would go watch the races. I'd hang out in the pits and I would watch this circle track of unlimited hydroplane racing where guys back in the day safety was a thought but secondary it was the best they had with the technology at the time and uh i would go out and watch people doing you know 150 to 200 miles an hour as a kid watching on the right river out there and it was a lot of fun and now i think the sport is coming back into its heyday and i want to ask daryl about this because We've got parody in this sport like never before. I mean, back in the day when I was a kid, 
when I really was old enough to understand it, it was like the Miss Budweiser and the Atlas Van Lines, and it was this dual battle, and everybody else cleaned up afterwards. Daryl, what's your thought on unlimited hydroplane racing where it is today? I was reading a book that I think um, David Williams wrote, uh, who runs the uh, the museum, and uh, is just the hydroplane racing in the Tri Cities. And you mm-hmm. look at national championships, and like Budweiser won thirteen out of fourteen years. Mm-hmm. And you think the great thing now is I think Brent, when you think at least four boats could win any race, and yep. uh, um, you look at our boat in Madison um, was uh, neck and neck with the boat, uh, the Home Street boat that's won most of the national championships for the last uh, six seven years, and we were actually going faster on the outside until we, you know took off like an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get to that because that's a, that's a whole other subject. But, you know, Brent, you know, you are a veteran, but up and coming as well in this sport. Uh, I think you have some, in my opinion, at least, you've got some huge days ahead of you out there as a driver. Where do you think that unlimited hydroplane racing is right now? Yeah, no, I think we're... We're in an exciting time. This is a time where, as Daryl mentioned, we've got four to five boats that could win these races at any time. And you were talking about the history. You're absolutely right. Um, it could either have been the Budweiser or the Atlas Van Lines back in the day, right? Yep. But now to have several boats that can win. And for me, I think the big thing, we've got to get the stories out about the drivers and uh, for people to get to know the drivers. Yes. So just like we're doing with this particular podcast, you need to know who we are. And so I think that's one of the things that's really important to me. And there's great stories behind that and excited to share some of those throughout this podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Daryl. So let's, let's start out with you kind of the history of this, you know, we talked a little bit before the show started, but uh, how did you get into unlimited hydroplanes? Because I know you grew up in the same town I did. Yeah. I mean, you can't grow up in the tri cities, Washington without being a hydro fan. Uh, Well, if, if you're not, and everybody's shocked because it's it's like our Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and little did I know that I know now after being at all the race courses, it's actually the best one. Cool. It's the, it's the best race. You can ask anybody. But I started going. We moved there when I was seven, and we went to somebody's house up on Canal by where you, yep. you lived and saw the aerial view. And I got to watch it in 67, which was the second year. I think it started in 1966. I was a Tommy uh, Cup days, right? I think uh, Miss Bardall won, and cool. uh, and it was just I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And then uh, probably the most told story in every interview I've ever done is uh, I took my wife on our first date when we're fifteen yeah. to a boat race. Um, nice. And we've been married forty three years now, so we got married right out of high school. But that was our first date, and it was just a big part of our life. I mean, anybody – I mean, you would know this, Eric, growing up the Tri-Cities when they had the uh, the piston boats. And and back then, they would actually come like on Tuesday or Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, it was yes, Monday, Tuesday. Week. It was a yeah. whole week, yeah. And you could hear those boats. And when you did, you'd get on your bicycle and ride as fast as you could to the river so you yep. could watch whoever was out there. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And where I was up on Canal, there was times that I would go down there. I was running across the freeway down there trying to get across there and climbing fences and doing all the stupid stuff a kid at that age shouldn't be doing. But you had to get down there to get there. You know, we and it was just a lot of fun. We were in much better shape, I think. Yes, I yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So back in the day, to, to, to paint a picture for people that don't know the sport, they were you know, mostly wooden boats. You had surplus World War II aircraft engines that were running these things. And it was an open cockpit with a driver in a, in a you know, a, a suit, driving suit with a huge monster collared, you know, uh, hopefully flotation device that when the boat would get wild or flip, you hope to clear the boat before the boat landed. Yeah. And that was crazy. And now the safety is so much better than what it used to be back then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, had a, 100%. we had a driver, like I said, we'll get into it later about our wreck, but he did that at 186 miles an hour and he walked away and was at the uh, trophy presentation and half an hour later and woke up the next day, wasn't even sore. That's incredible. Yeah. So do we have this in the Northeast? I'm from New York, New Jersey area. So you guys, is this something that Brent, I'm going to throw this to you being the driver and ladies, like if you like NASCAR and you like the drivers, like I do, I'm seeing Brent and he's a good looking man and he's got the whole package going on here. <laughs> so it's like star quality. We need you to come out East and, and spread the sport around. And I think people would love it. Eric introduced me to it. It's fabulous. So do we have this out by us and where do we go to see it? Yeah. So in the Northeast, uh, it had been there before, um, but we need to bring it back again. And so Carolina, I'm kind of the reverse of you. I lived in North Carolina for about three years and had the chance to go to a NASCAR race. And I'm kicking myself now that I never did. <laughs> so my offer to you is we need to get yes. you out to a race somehow, one of that's close, mm -hmm. uh, whether the East Coast or have you come out this way to the West Coast, but there's nothing like it. Yeah. And very similar to Daryl for me, um, you know, I grew up watching these as a kid and every summer we'd have a party on our deck and we had a peak of view view of the race and that just meant summer was here. This special edition of Around the House will be right back after these important messages. What's up? This is Dick and Satchel from Steel Panther, and you are listening to Around the House with Eric G. Yeah. We love Eric G, and you should too. Welcome back to the Around the House show. This is my favorite episodes of 2022. Those segments that I thought were pretty amazing. Now, let's get back to the program. Hey, Caroline, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. You know, it was interesting. I don't know if you noticed a couple weeks ago of, you know, we've been dealing with snow out here in the, in the Pacific Northwest. We've got more snow than we've had up in the mountains in 20 years. You guys, you know, a week or two ago got some weather. Those people got caught on the freeway for 24 hours. We figured it was a good time to talk a little bit about emergency preparedness inside your home if you're out traveling so that way you're ready for the next time we get some crazy weather and my friend was talking to me the other day she called up and she said look you know we just moved from san francisco to austin texas and what do we do what do we do with ice because they're not prepared you know if they have an ice storm they're concerned that they may lose power for seven days so just giving a few tips to people 
you know, what do you do? How do you, how do you survive it? And so I think that'd be helpful. I just heard our Austin radio listeners boo us and say, why would your friend move here? Tell her to move back. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> oh my goodness. They're a very I think friendly I saw, people. last time I drove into Texas, I saw a sign that said Californians were closed, head back. <laughs> but they are going to be getting we some love you, colder Texas. weather. Of course we do. They're going to be getting some colder weather. We love weather you Californians too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, now you're playing catch up now. I see how it is. No, 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 no. We do. But it's just a common. It, I mean, it, it's like it's like rivalries in sports. <laughs> Californians and Texas Texans have been going up against each other for a while. This is nothing new. Oh, like my <laughs> Jets beach or Seahawks. Is that is that fair rivalry? <laughs> when has that happened? Never, but. It's still a rivalry. In my <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think it even happened when Brett Favre was your quarterback. Hey, but, you know, we almost beat the Buccaneers. I mean, if we can do that, we could potentially beat Russell Wilson. It could happen. Yeah. So it's a yeah, dream. You couldn't even beat you couldn't even beat the Buccaneers with with a lead and Antonio Brown walking off the field. So <laughs> well, I like She's throwing stuff at me now. I, I, I like the <laughs> there shirt. There you off. go. There you so, go. Whatever. Anyway, we'll we'll get back on track here. So, <laughs> yeah, getting your house, getting yourself ready, you know, for that disaster, for that storm is a big deal. You know, I've got myself pretty well dialed in just because I've been talking about this so long, you know. Mm -hmm. I've got backup power. I've got extra food. I've got extra water. Let's start going down the list of things that you should have. And a lot of this depends on where you're located and what your natural resources are around you. And also things that you can you can do at home if you're not a, a, a preparer. I mean, look, you have a lot of stuff, so you have to take it way down to people who, like, for example, my friend who moved to Austin, they're not ever used to having ice storms. So they were like, what do we do with the water, which is a basic thing. So, okay, let's say you're going to get an ice storm and you're going to get freezing temperatures and no power. So what do you do with the water supply in your house so you don't get pipes freezing? Because that's the number one concern. No pipe break. Yeah. Well, and in Texas, they have not really, through the years, done a great job of insulating pipes because the freezes mm -hmm. weren't that weren't that common over the years. You know, the first thing I say is is when you're planning for natural disasters like this, the first thing to do is think about what you need to do to sustain life. So. Food and water, right? First things. Correct. So I always say if you're living out in the desert and you have no water to be had outside of what's coming out of your faucet, storing water makes a lot of sense. So for me, I've got water. Oh. I've got water everywhere around me. I've got big lakes that are blocks away. So for me, filtration is a better answer versus just storing water. Mm. And so for storing water, just to give people who may not have as much experience as we do, the tub is always a great place. So, you know, if you know you're going to get a storm, fill up a tub. You can fill up an igloo cooler, any kind of cooler. Make sure you always have drinking water. So, you know, I'm, I always say have at least a month's supply of drinking water, however you want to do that, bottled water, et cetera, liquid. Um, but those are types of things where you can store water easily. Tubs are great, you know. Yeah, a month is a lot to store for many people. Um, 
that's a lot of water. I mean, you're going to fill up if you've got four people in the house, you're not going to fit that in the hall closet, if you know what I mean. So you've got to come up with a place for that. Well, I'm saying moderation drinking. Like, you know, I always tell people you're not going to if they're if you're lacking in water, you're not going to drink six bottles of water a day. So, you know, keep it on the down low, but make sure that you have some stockade supply. And like in my house, I mean, we've got bottled water if necessary and, and all kinds of stored water and, and drinking supplies and yeah. stuff. So and it could last us a while. I mean, you're not going to be drinking 10 times a day, but you will have enough to survive. Yeah, and if you've noticed with hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, it can take a week or two for real help to show up. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. You need to have enough yes. for to sustain yourself until... You know, a charity, neighbors, or the government shows up to help you. And those are all things that can happen slowly depending on where you're located. For food? And talk about shutoff. Oh, I was going to go back to water. But, you know, talk about shutoffs and how people can make sure you're shutting off your water in a freeze, making sure that you're um, keeping a drip in the faucet, making sure there's covers on all your outside spigots. Yeah, for, for freeze, kind of stuff um, is important. the only time you should really be shutting that water off is if you already have a break and you're already losing tons of water, then you need to shut water off. But until then, flowing water is going to be a better way to keep pipes from bursting than if you shut it off. So you want to keep it dripping, running, and what I want to see is not only just the cold water running, I want to see a little bit of the warm too, because if you've got an uninsulated hot water pipe that is 30, 40 feet away from the from the water heater that's that's in a place where it could freeze, you know, in the wall or a crawl space, all of a sudden you want to have both water moving so that you can maybe keep that water going until it warms up. The other thing I want to see you do, keep the house nice and warm. Not the time to turn back the thermostat, keep the doors, cabinetry, all (laughs) those places open. If you've Mm -hmm. got the water heater out in the garage, for instance, make sure you keep that garage door closed. Maybe the door open out to the garage to make sure that's not freezing up. Make sure that you've got those things ready to go. That's the big key. And watch that water meter to make sure that you don't have a leak if if it does break. That gets expensive quick. Speaking of keys. Yeah. The key. The key to your shutoff. How do you get that? So you want to have, you know, depending on where your water meter is, some people in older homes will have them in their basement where they actually have to do it down there. But in most cases, that's either out in the yard or in the street. And you need a street key to go down and do that. And that's just the, it's a little, you know, depending on how deep it is, you know, if you're, in the Midwest, where you get really cold, that could be that meter could be down three or four feet, six feet. I've seen them, depending on where you're located. So you need to be able to get down there with this long pole that has this little forked metal thing in the bottom, be able to turn that off and on. Yeah, if you've got a broken pipe, shut it off, but leave it open. Open. Mm-hmm. You know, open until you think you've got a break so you don't have any more water damage going on. And that's one of the keys right there. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I want to personally thank you for being an Around the House listener. This show is supported by advertisers and listeners like you. I was asked by members of our audience to open up for a way to people say thank you and to help fund future episodes of Around the House. We now have a way to do that. And that's buy me a coffee or a drink. 
Just look at the episode notes in your podcast player, and you'll find a link to buymeacoffee.com forward slash ATH Eric G. And thanks again for listening to Around the House. Hey, this is Ron Keel, the metal cowboy from Keel, the Ron Keel band and stealer. We are rocking around the house with Eric G. Raise your Welcome back to the Around the House show. Happy Christmas Eve. Now we're talking about my favorite episodes of 2022. Those segments that I thought were super informative. Now let's get back to Ross Trithui from This Old House. Welcome to the Around the House show. This is where we talk everything about your home every single week. Thanks for joining us. We have a special guest in the studio today. Ross Trithui. Founder Lead Engineering over at TE2 Engineering, but you might have seen him on this little show called Ask This Old House or This Old House as their technology expert. Thanks for coming on today, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is exciting. This could be a lot of fun, man. And and technology and you know, healthy living inside the home is a passion of mine. And mm-hmm. you do such a great job on a much bigger scale. And from the engineering side of it versus me just being a connoisseur, <laughs> knowing exactly how to do this stuff. So uh, it's it's refreshing to have a conversation like that with somebody that uh, really knows their stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. You know, we try to talk about, you know, indoor air quality in our everyday life, you know, whether it's on this old house or whether it's, you know, in our, you know, kind of my day job with TE2, you know, just really trying to promote indoor air quality, making sure that the, the air quality inside of our buildings is healthy to breathe. Um, and it's going to promote, um, you know, uh, you know, us uh, having longevity uh, and all the other good things that come, you know, from good indoor. You know, people focus on what they eat. People focus on what they drink, but they don't really think about what they breathe. And so that's kind of like the last kind of uh, the last kind of frontier as far as what people need to be focused on as far as ingesting. You think about right in the typical, you know, human. It's crazy to think about this, but the typical human drinks about eight pounds of water a day. And we eat about four pounds of food a day. Do you know how much air we breathe in terms of pounds? I have no idea. I'm trying to even think of CFM, let alone pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so it's about 30. So a typical human at, you know, at normal conditions, steady state, will breathe about 30 pounds of air a day. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, just comparing that to what we eat in terms of four and what we, you know, drink in terms of eight, that's, uh, that's quite a bit, you know, in terms of difference. So, and think about um, what's in your air filter when you change it, that's all what's entering your body, right? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, there were a bunch of studies done that show that the air quality inside of our houses is four, you know, typically four times worse and sometimes up to a hundred times worse than the outdoor air. So like we think of our houses being healthy, you know, clean environments, you know, but a lot of times it's the Petri dish. It's the exact opposite that they, we've locked in all these, you know, contaminants and it gets, some of it gets trapped in the filter, of course. And some of the higher quality filters obviously do a really good job of capturing the small stuff, but, uh, but yeah, the rest of it's going into our lungs, you know, and into the lungs, into the bloodstream, you know, tiny, tiny particulates, um, they call it PM 2.5 is the, Mm -hmm. is the term that they call it. And that's the really, really small stuff, the fine particles, um, and, uh, more science and more, you know, research is being done on what that does to our bodies, but, um, it can't be good. It can't be good. No. And on top of it, we can't even get building code straight across the U S this is my little soapbox here. We can't even require kitchen ventilation hoods at homes 
oh, you got a window that's close enough. And it drives me absolutely insane as a, a nearly 30-year kitchen designer that we can't even get that right right now. Oh my goodness, that drives me bonkers. Yeah. Kitchen <laughs> exhaust is one of those things. It's like, yeah, but I have a recirculating hood. Or, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, it's like my a recirculating goodness, toilet. So How is that what we could do here? <laughs> I, I, it blows me away. And this is, again, soapbox. How can I walk into a home center and buy a recirculating hood? I know. That I know. shouldn't be on the market. It shouldn't be allowed. Shouldn't be allowed. Yep. Yep. Or, I mean, hey, I just cracked the window. I have no hood at all. Or I have, <laughs> I put the microwave above it. You know, and uh, even though a lot of those microwaves can be vented to the outside, they just choose yeah. not to. You yeah. know, it's just, it's crazy. Um, I agree with you on that one. So yeah, it's, it's wild. And then, you know, I like using new technology. I've got, uh, I'll use the name out there because it's worked well, but it's also kind of starting to scare me now. I've got one of those Aris, um, you know, they're one of the air scrubbers in my house, but mm-hmm. I'm starting to get a little worried about it. And I'm going to do some more research on it in, in full disclosure. I've talked about it for a couple of times, but my wife yeah. can't bake bread in the house with it. So bake bread. Okay. No, it kills the kills the yeast. So when she goes to rise bread, it won't mm. rise. So mm. she has to go take it outside. And I'm like, wow. wait a minute. Okay, that's making me a little nervous. I know it's really doing a great job of scrubbing the air, but it's killing the yeast. So I don't know right. if I want that in me either. Right. I'm not familiar with the exact machine you're referring yeah. to, but um, you know, there's a lot of uh products that are on the market today, especially coming out of COVID. Mm-hmm. that are focusing on what they call plasma technology or negative yeah. ions and all these other things. And to be honest with, with you and with everyone that asks me, I say, you know, just put in a HEPA filter um, and, uh, or a really, really good, you know, air filter in your house is as good as you can get. Um, but just that th- doesn't have any additional kind of chemical reactions taking place because yeah. we don't know what those, the chain of reactions that gets created, we don't know what that does uh, downstream. And so uh, when you're introducing, you know, uh, plasma and you're ionizing air and stuff like that, uh, there are a lot, a lot of things that we just don't know yet in terms of what that does to the air quality inside of our buildings. And so you might solve for one problem, but you've may have created a hundred other problems. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. Cause I mean, this thing uses that, uh, you know, it uses that kind of hydrogen peroxide type technology where it kicks it out yep. in the air. You're familiar with that. And, yep. and, and, I, mine's unplugged right now because it kind of making me nervous the more I look into it. Yeah. I mean, so we did a lot of uh, DIY, what I'll call, um, I don't know if you heard about the the Corsi Rosenthal cube or yes. the Comparato cube. Yep. So it's a DIY, you know, air cleaner, uh, mm-hmm. has four filters on it that are all MRF 13 or higher with a box mm-hmm. fan, uh, less than a hundred bucks materials. You build them yourself. I build them for all my ki- my kids' classrooms at school. Nice. Um, and, um, and it was, you know, have them in my house, et cetera. And it's just an awesome, you know, you know, um, media filter for capturing the small stuff and the big stuff that's inside our house. So it's instantly making our quality better. And everyone inside my family, you know, felt a difference, you know, from yeah. running those machines. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, so my, my viewpoint on most of this is just put in the best air filter you can, um, and do it in the rooms that you're going to be living in. Um, and whether it's one a HEPA one that's for a thousand dollars off the market, or whether it's a DIY hundred dollar one, of course, there's going to be different ranges in that. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you're making the air quality better in your house, not worse. And there's there's no debate on that one. Yeah, and in, in full disclosure, I put a brand new system in about a year and a half ago. I put one of the uh, just carrier infinity systems in you know multi-zone old 70s house with their good filter in it so i've got that in the uv in that nothing else crazy you know big six inch type filter and 
Yeah. It made day two. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm breathing so much better. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I can actually breathe. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know how bad it was until it's better. And you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. It's a, that's a great system. You know, I would say Murph, uh, Murph 13 is the minimum that I would Mm -hmm. recommend for everybody and four inch all the way up to six inch thick, the thicker, the better, right? The deeper the pleats, the more surface area you have. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but you know, when you have a pleated media filter, um, the difference between like, you know, a four inch and six inch is the size of the pleats. And so the way I think about it is if you were to unroll that accordion and you were to unbox it and flatten it, how much area would it take up? So if I have a six inch versus a one inch, you can the six inch is going to be covering much, much more area. So that means lower pressure drop. That means more filter life uh, time, life expectancy, um, uh, less resistance on the air motor, you know, blower motor inside your air handler. Um, a lot of good things that come out of it. And so, um, so yeah, the thicker, the better. And Murph 13 is, uh, is or higher is where we're at. And those cheapy one inch ones, the little fiberglass ones, those are there to keep animals out of the, out of the, out of the blower motor. And that's all they do. (laughs) Exactly. Maybe catch some cat hair, some dog hair, maybe that at best. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's where it is. But at the same point, and we're going to get into more technology here, but I also warn though of taking some old 30 year old system and jamming in a MERV 13 filter Mm -hmm. and making sure that that actually will flow enough air for your system because you can freeze up. AC oh, yes. units and everything else uh, by reducing too much intake on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm glad you brought that up. There are a lot of situations where homeowners say, oh, yeah, I just ripped out my one inch, you know, MERV 4 and I threw in the MERV 13 and all of a sudden now I'm not getting heating or cooling or whatever. Something happened. I'm going to call my HVAC guy. Da, 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 da. And so I don't recommend, you know, homeowners <laughs> just going out and just trying to, you know, replace filters left and right and not knowing what they're doing, of course. But yeah. Don't change that channel around the house. We'll be right back. Eve, everybody. Eric G with Around the House here. Now we're going to be talking with Sarah Listy from Tool Girls Garage and Murder House Flip. And don't forget, next weekend, we've got an all new episode of My Favorite Things from 2022. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome to the Around the House show. This is where we talk about everything home improvement, construction, DIY, design every single week. Thanks for joining us. I have my good friend in the house here Tool Girls Garage, Sarah Listy. There are so many. Th- I can't even put you in a box. <laughs> Why bother? You know, yeah. it's, it's okay. <laughs> Welcome to Around the House and famous TV show person too. Oh, my heavens to Betsy. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. You had to throw in that that joke. <laughs> the famous TV person. You had to go there. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know me. This is what we do. So Right. <laughs> First no, off, I'm to be here. yeah, I love your show, by the way. And Thank I don't you. say that a lot about stuff. And it's not just because I've got a friend up there, but it's a real legitimate show that I go, oh, wow, this is not super scripted. You're no. out there doing the murder house. No, in fact, there I mean, there's no scripting behind it, which I was excited about. You know, we hear I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but when you go into uh, a TV scenario, you never really know what to expect. And this is my first filming experience like that. And so I was concerned that like, that was going to 
be pushed a lot, like, hey, say this or say that. Obviously, there's questions asked, but all the <laughs> answers are like 100% authentic. And, you know, I mean, Mikkel and I had so much fun in sometimes those like interviews where it's just him and I and the producer. Oh my gosh. The stuff that like <laughs> ended up on the cutting room floor, you can't imagine. It was amazing. Nice. So we're talking about Murder House Flip over on original Roku. Yes, so Roku it is a Roku original. original. So it's, which cool with Roku is it's a free service. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it's in 80 million households now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're in a bunch of different countries. Uh, and if you don't have a Roku at home, you can obviously go onto the Roku website. Um, again, it's one of their few originals and they're expanding. They're doing some big stuff. So I think there's, you know, going to be some exciting, fun stuff uh, coming for them. I wish I had like inside scoop. I don't, but um, <laughs> just the little tidbits I hear, it sounds like it's going to be a really fun couple of years for them. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. So let's talk about the show a minute before we get into like all the other fun tool and project stuff. But yes. This thing, you guys started out with a bang on this. That episode, you yeah. guys just like started out with the rocket ship Ferrari or something. You oh, did not man. hold back on the first episode. You know, what's funny is uh, when we filmed the show, that episode, believe it or not, we filmed last. It just came down to like, you know, uh, scheduling and stuff. And we obviously, you know, you don't know how that stuff's going to get ordered out. And I'm glad yeah. they used that as the first one because it was a really big project. And it was such a recent, I mean, it was the Jody Arias house where she murdered her then boyfriend, Travis Alexander, really tragic, gruesome murder. And oh my gosh. And very little of the house had been updated or changed. So by the time we came in, even though it's been, I want to say it's like 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it was almost eerie looking at crime scene pictures and like being like, Oh my God, this is the same tile. Like, I mean, some stuff. Yeah. But it was still, it was a little, it was creepy. the same bathroom sink was shower creepy. and everything. Yeah. Was a, that was pretty gross. Um, but you know, I think it's when this couple bought the house, it didn't occur to them through that process that like, sure. this was that house. It just didn't cross their mind. They just thought they were getting a really great deal. And by the time they found out they couldn't, do anything about it, you know? And so it was a big honor, I think, to be able to, you know, be a part of something like that and to be able to walk in to, you know, a family's home and like that family that young kids and, you know, it was a family house. Um, And to be able to walk in and be a part of changing something, you know, really negative and dark and making it something so positive. Um, I mean, when we left, like there was not a dry ice dry eye in the house. Like the, that was such an impactful, crazy moment. It was definitely a high note, um, to wrap filming the show on for sure. That feeling was, uh, I have told you obviously in our conversations, like you couldn't, if you could bottle that emotion (laughs) of like showing this family a house and like these cut and and it wasn't just them. It was all of them like, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. You just want to like smell it on a bad day or something, you know? Yeah. And by the way, smelling on a bad day, I, I'm happy we didn't have smell-o-vision for that when you guys were pulling that carpet up, by the way. That you know looked disgusting. Was, okay. So here's what was really gross. Um, when we started doing that, it didn't smell when you walked into the room. Sure. So I expected, was I wouldn't say I expected, I was concerned that we would find mm-hmm. some stuff just because you and I both know being in the construction industry, like sometimes 
corners get cut, unfortunately. And we've all been there and seen that. Yeah. As much nothing's as ever that. cleaned up a hundred percent. Yeah. And because of like how the family came to own the home, like that carpet had already been replaced. So in my mind, I'm like, so I bet we're going to find some unfortunate yeah. circumstances. But the minute you lifted that carpet, I think Mikkel said it smelled like raw meat. And yeah. that was, a, it smelled rancid. It was the grossest, like, <laughs> I don't even know. It was so bad. Like I literally can vividly remember the smell and it's like, there goes dinner. My appetite's gone for sure. But, um, it was it's like you opened up death's door and you were staring oh, into it. It was just, it, it was so, we just didn't, the smell is not what I would have expected yeah. because it's, I mean, Ew. It was, yeah, it was hard to explain. I'm glad that the smell of vision, that would have been convenient. Yeah. But it was, yeah, just thinking see, of that was, oh. But see, knowing you, I watched yeah. that. I know uh, your reaction. I'm like, that. there's no way that's scripted. I can tell that is 100% no. real because that was just 100% Sarah right there. I was just <laughs> laughing going, there it is. There it oh is. That God. is the real deal. Well, it's funny because you had mentioned that. I had a couple other people that have known me over the years say something similar. And I'll be honest, like of all of the positive feedback, of all the, any feedback that I think meant the most to me, because it's very hard when you get put in a weird situation and, you know, you're, I always felt like I was 100% me, but the fact that everybody else also saw that was, I know it sounds dumb, but like, it really meant a lot for me to hear because you just don't know how things are going to get, you know, you just don't know. You hope and pray that editing does you a favor and doesn't yeah. go the other direction and not yeah. do you a favor because that would have been mean, bad. So really you guys did a, what a f four or five days and had to make 20 minutes out of that. I mean, yeah, it was like that house was five full days of filming and it was 25 minute episodes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, which it sounds weird. I think you and I talked about this, but it was so crazy because those days were long days. There's a lot and, mm -hmm. and there's crews that are working behind us too. And there's so much that you don't even get to see because so much gets cut out. Um, but also like it makes for a really fun storyline because I think obviously, especially in, in the renovation TV world, as much as I wish some more we could have seen or some, as I could have shown more, um, it, I feel like it kept a nice pace and it kept it fun and interesting. You know, there weren't really any lulls in the show, which I think yeah. obviously is a credit to not for them being quicker episodes, you know? And then you had some challenges too. I mean, that the golden state killer house had its own challenge. I looked at that and was like, as a designer, I'm going, wow, you've got some challenges here on yeah. trying to make that feel safe. Well, and, and, you know, that one was sad because, uh, this woman had the owner, she, beautiful, beautiful woman. Her name's Karina, beautiful mm -hmm. home. Her and her yeah. young kids had bought this house and they found out um, shortly after she purchased it, she had construction crews working there. She wasn't living there yet. Yeah. And she got a call that they were, they were news crews out front of the house recording. And so hearing that, and then of course, you know, the, you know, things start to make sense. People start to give her information um, and then she realizes, oh my God, what am I going to do? And her bedroom was the room we renovated. And that was unfortunately where the golden state killer like entered and, you know, committed this just, I mean, Eric, the gruesome crime. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, the, some of the stuff that you guys, that the, uh, detective that was a huge part of that investigation told us like, 
that was so hard to wrap your head around. Like we got to see the Creek where he hid and like, it was, Oh wow. Okay. So I mean, all the stuff that didn't make the show. I mean, they talked about yeah. the, the dishes for a second and that was it. And you know, there was so much more to that story. Cause like he went and ate a snack in their kitchen <sighs> while like in the midst of this brutal crime. I mean, it was just, I mean, of all the houses that we did, I would say that one was the one that, I had the hardest time with too, just like as an individual being in it and then trying to really, cause so much a part of like how I viewed it was what would I do if I were these homeowners? What would I sure. want to change? How, you know what I mean? Like how would I feel better here? I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas and a happy Hanukkah. Thanks for listening to around the house. Anyway, I'll be on the me. Love is a love song. Let's be lovers. We're all over the radio. Hey, it's Eric G. from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.